Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey, before we start today's episode, I just wanted to thank Exciter. Dude, thank you so much for hooking us up and uh, helping out with this episode. Um, We really appreciate your help and I hope you enjoy the episode, John. Here it is. Hey, this is Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Devin Townsend from Strapping Young Lad, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Glenn Tibner from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, everyone. This is K.K. Downing of Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal, so you know what to do. Crank it up. Hi, this is Ian Hill from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Everybody, this is Rob Halford, the Metal God from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. I am Dan Lorenzo from the Cursed Hades Nonfiction and Who Knows What Else, and I love the show Talking Metal, which is what you are listening to right now. This is Michael Grant with Endeavor Raster, and you're listening to Talking Metal. What's up, Robin X? This is Billy Milano from SOD and MOD, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal. <laughs> yes, yeah, Jim Brewer, and you're listening to Hey, this is Vizio, you're rocking with Talking Metal. Fucking it. The best hard rock, the best heavy metal, Talking Metal. A podcast hosted by Mark Striegel and John Astronomy. Available through iTunes and most other podcast providers. Feel the power, feel the glory. TalkingMetal.com Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. It's John Astronomy here with Mark Striegel, Midtown Manhattan. Hey John, we had a great week last week. Uh, I think we got three Talking Metal interviews. There was interviewed Cece Banana, who is uh, going to be coming back next month to celebrate Talking Metal's five-year anniversary. He was our first guest. Was it the first, very first episode he was on? I think so, right? I think he was, uh... We did that at my old apartment in Jersey City, and uh, I remember thinking, boy, CeCe Banana is really good behind the mic. Yeah, well, he's he's back to promote his new record, which you'll hear all about next month when he's on the podcast, uh, actually probably in a couple weeks, uh, coming back to celebrate our five-year anniversary. August 2010 is the five-year anniversary of Talking Metal. It's really unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe five years have passed since we've started Talking Metal, since you came up with the idea to do Talking Metal. And uh, we had five great years. I mean, we've interviewed just about 
every single metal band that you can think of, with the exception of Metallica. So we just got to get them on. Metallica and uh, Oz or Lemmy is uh, is one I'd love to get on. Ozzy's been on I think twice, yeah. So it'd be great to get him back. But um, Dio, unfortunately, we almost had him at one point and it fell through. And uh, you know, I, I am a little bummed that we will never get him. But uh, it's been a great five year run. We've had a lot of fun. John and I have known each other for a long time. I actually was just showing John on my personal YouTube page. I threw up some video footage of us jamming back in 1994. So um, there's one clip up there now. By the time we get this podcast posted, there'll probably be more. Maybe we'll link that through today's show notes. And you guys, if you want to see one our grungy metal band, Roy's Baby, from the 1990s, uh, we'll hopefully have some footage up there of us playing. And uh, good-sounding band. Uh, you know, it's like sometimes you, you think, oh, we weren't that great. but And sometimes it's the opposite. You think, oh, that was we were so great. And then you go back and look at it, and you, you suck. But I actually think we were pretty good. I know we practice three nights a week, which is like unheard of for us now because like I, I haven't even played one note on any instrument in like a month. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great gig. It was at the Orpheus, which was a place in Hoboken that I think now just doesn't exist anymore. And uh, it was great. You get to see our family members. Your brother took the video, which is great. And uh, I was on drums, and you were playing the White Explorer. And lead vocals. Yes. Our friend Sean on, on bass and Terry, uh, Ranger X on guitar. Sean, John, and I all met up at Berkeley College of Music uh, a few years earlier. Um, and we uh, stayed in touch when we got down here to New York. And speaking of Berkeley, today's guest, Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, was also up at Berkeley. And we actually have some mutual friends like Rob Bailey and Probably some other people. I don't know who. But uh, anyways, um, Mike, we first met back on our TV show. He came and jammed a Motorhead song with us for uh, for our band, Turtlehead. And he was in town playing the garden, I believe, for the first time with Dream Theater and took a few minutes uh, out before the band set to hop on board uh a tour bus, which Mr. Uh, Astronomy had lined up. He had it parked right outside of Madison Square Garden, the Gibson tour bus, uh, which was awesome. And Mike came on board and hung out with us for uh, probably 40 minutes or so. And we got some stuff with him for the podcast and potentially for a future episode of MTV2's Headbangers Ball. Um, Nothing's ever definite with those guys over there at MTV2, so I say potentially. Yeah, absolutely. We had such a great time uh, hanging out on the Gibson bus. And for all of you uh, listeners, the Gibson tour bus is a a full-on, full-scale, rock-and-roll-style tour bus. But the inside of it kind of looks across between a tour bus and a Gibson version of a hard rock cafe. There are guitars on the walls. And what's neat is they're not just for display. You can pick them up. You can plug in. You can play. And uh, it's it's a really cool bus. Mike uh, thought it was very cool. And uh, it was just great to hang out with him before such a historic event. Uh, he had a lot of family members in town uh, for the gig since, you know, Mike is from Long Island. And uh, it was just a, a really great uh, interview, great dream theater show. And then, of course, Iron Maiden uh, played, which was also great. 
Yeah, and I think when they were on stage, they, a great set by Dream Theater, by the way. He, they they said something about uh, – I think Mike actually came out, took the mic and said something about thanks for making a dream come true for some guy – for some kid – for some kids from – from Long Island, or something very similar to that, uh, which was which was nice for Mike to jump up from behind the kit and actually say that. So, without any uh, further delay, why don't we get into a little Dream Theater music and hear the interview with one of Rock's all-time great drummers. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Why don't we hear a little Panic Attack from 2005?
Hey, it's John Astronomy from Talking Metal. I'm here with Mark Striegel and our very special guest, Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater. What's up? You are, we are here with three fifths of Turtlehead. This is the big yes. Turtlehead reunion year, man. Absolutely, we got to do it again yeah. in person. You know, with all the same guys. Totally. And you guys did it with uh, at the Hell Show, right? Yeah, almost like a complete yeah. Turtlehead I did reunion. some shows with Hell and uh, Bobby Blitz and Frankie Bello came out and came on stage and we did Overkill that night and it was like the, the big Turtlehead reunion. I love it. <laughs> how was it playing with Hale? Do you enjoy playing? I, I, I mean, you do a lot of covers. I thought you were going to say, how was it playing with those guys without us playing yeah. guitar? <laughs> now, Hale was awesome, man. Hale was like a, a dream gig for me. You know, like I, I was a kid in the candy store just doing classic metal and thrash covers. You know, the classic stuff like Priest and Maiden and Sabbath and Kiss and then, uh, you know, all the way to like the early thrash years like early Metallica and Slayer and some Sepultura. Uh, for me, it was a blast. You know, everyone kind of knows me as the prog metal guy with Dream Theater, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, I'm a metalhead through and through and that's like, that's my roots, that's, my, that's in my blood and to do that gig was a total, total treat. Cool, and Dream Theater has been known to do sometimes entire albums of uh you know of covers any plans to do that with dream theater again no uh there's no plans for that now i mean that was a, a kind of a tradition uh that i came up with where we if we do two nights in the same city uh when we were doing the evening with tours and if there were two nights in the same city the second night we would class cover a classic album and, and we did Ma master puppets we did number of the beast uh we did dark side of the moon and deep purple's made in japan uh, but, you know, as of now, there's no evening with tours in the works. But uh, if and when there are in the future, then, yeah, the, the tradition will continue. So you guys, speaking of Number of the Beast, are out with Iron Maiden right now. Were, were all the members of Dream Theater Maiden fans? Uh, some more so than others. I mean, really, myself, John Petrucci, and John Myung, uh, you know, we are the three founders of Dream Theater. And when we, when we formed the band 25 years ago, Maiden was like the blueprint that we were born out of really when we formed dream theater we wanted to be a cross between maiden and rush and that was like what our goals were with the sound of dream theater uh so for the three of us especially you know it's it's totally a dream come true they're absolutely one of our biggest influences now you guys started the band up at berkeley in 85 and i and Mark, we, we were up there in 87. Oh, really? Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, like, how long did you stay at Berkeley? We were at Berkeley for one year, two semesters, 85 into 86. And uh, we met each other within the first couple weeks of school. And, well, I met them. Those two were up there together, and I met them. And we formed Dream Theater and basically spent the year there playing every single day. We would wow. get the... the you know the, the rehearsal rehe rooms rehearsal you could you could only get two hours at a time with those right. so we would actually uh, wake up in the morning to reserve those rooms each of the three of us to get a six-hour block wow. and we did it every day Man. and after spending a year there and really getting to know each other and you know forming the nucleus of dream theater we decided to just pursue that dream and we left berkeley after two semesters wow well it worked out perfectly i was going to ask you now you have to bring in your own gear in those rooms. I don't know oh, if people yeah. know that, but me as a drummer, it was uh, it insane. Every time you went to the practice, you had to lug your kit down to some room and then set it up. And then when you're done, you break it down and take it back to it your room It was again. the only time in the history of my drumming career that I did that. Because even, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously now I have, you know, I have a, a Crew, drum tech yeah. that's been with me for 20 years. But even before Berkeley, back in the early days of junior high school when I was like in my first cover band, there were always kids that wanted to help out. Right. But that year <laughs> at Berkeley, for us to rehearse 
every day. We had to move the drums in, set them up, play, break them down, move them out every day. Yeah. And we had a routine. Like me, John, and John would go for dinner at TJ's at 5 right. o'clock. <laughs> we'd eat dinner, and then they'd come by with their little rolling cart uh, by, by my room, and we'd load up the drums and move wow. into E19. And we had the same room every day for a year. That's cool, man. You guys were dedicated. I was just uh, with one of our... Uh, ex-classmates Rob Bailey do you remember that guy oh yeah yeah totally he says hello by the way we saw him uh, over the weekend uh, my roommate. yeah John's really roommate. Yeah, in New York I moved wow. with Rob in, in New York and at Berkeley he was my neighbor he lived in the dorm right next to me on the fifth floor but um I wanted to ask you at one point you said there you know at this point Dream Theater definitely does not need to open for anybody but um you've op- chose to do the Maiden tour which is uh, I'm sure partly just simply because you respect Maiden so much? Is mm-hmm. that the case? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've been doing this for a long time now, and we've made a career out of headlining and, and doing it our ways. And throughout this 25-year career, 25 year career, we've only been an opening band twice before this. We did a, a tour with Deep Purple in 98, and we did a tour with Yes in 2004. So we really made a career out of doing it our way. Uh, but I've always said... You know, there were still three bands on that li- right. wish list, and if and if we got the call, we'd pack up and go. And it was Maiden, Metallica, and Rush. Those are the three remaining bands we would absolutely change all of our plans for to tour with. So when we got the call from Maiden to do it, you know, we, we weren't planning on touring at this point uh, of the album cycle. We were planning on being done, but when Maiden calls, you pack up your bags and you go. And you are staying so busy. The uh, Avenged Sevenfold record is coming out at the end of this month, July 2010, and you will be going right out on the road with them. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I'm doing this whole tour with Dream Theater and Maiden, and it ends July 20th, and then I begin rehearsals with Avenged Sevenfold July 21st, so literally the next day. And uh, and then I, I head out with them for the rest of the year. But um, it's it's... It's crazy. I'm doing this whole North American tour with Maiden and Dream Theater, and then I'm going to go out and do like practically the same exact venues all over again. It's going to be like Groundhog Day for right. me. And what was it like working with those guys? Obviously, young guys. Well, um, I'll say that... Very different style of music. Different style of music in some respect. I mean, those guys are, are younger, and they have, uh, you know, they're way more mainstream than Dream Theater, uh, right. at least here in America, in terms of their, you know... Um, career, but uh, you know they they had a lot of they're great musicians and they have a lot of that kind of shredding you know side to the band. Mm-hmm. So uh, it may not be as unnatural as some people may think. I mean those guys, or at least Jimmy and, and Matt, you know the Rev and M Shadows are are huge Dream Theater fans. So it was more of a natural fit than some people may think on on the surface. But um, you know it was uh it was an amazing experience because of the mo- the emotional aspect of it you know they these guys were only a few weeks uh you know after the rev's funeral and they were obviously you know still in serious mourning and uh, they had never played with another drummer before you know they they'd been together since like grade school so for them to be in the studio with another drummer was you know a, a big adjustment and a, an emotional experience for them and for me it was uh, an honor to be chosen to come in and, and do something like that in, in such an emotional, you know, situation. And, uh, you know, after a couple of days of getting comfortable and just getting past that, that, you know, that nervous feeling that they were going through, uh, then it, it all fell into place and we hit it off great. I mean, musically, it, 
we locked perfectly and uh you know i'm happy with the way the album came out and and personally we totally hit it off we it was an experience that really bonded us it was more than just a recording session for me it was a real an emotional experience cool and then you're going to come off the road with them and I was reading Dream Theater is already talking about another record that you would start recording early next year. Maybe? Mm, we're going to take it one step at a time here. Okay. I got to finish off 2010 <laughs> before I think of 2011. So we'll see what happens. It's one of the things I want to get back to this current tour, but since we're talking about recording a new album, I, I like that you guys don't sit and, you know, come up. You know, while you're on tour with like new stuff, you wait until you get into the studio mm-hmm. and then you start the writing process. I think that's cool. Dream Theater's always been collaborative writers. Um, we've never been the type of band where one person comes in with finished songs or even finished ideas for that matter. Right. We've always gotten together and jammed, and uh, that's the way this band has written since the Berkeley days 25 wow. years ago, and that formula has never changed. Uh, and the way we do it now, I think like the five out of the last six Dream Theater albums, we basically moved into a recording studio empty-handed, nothing written, um, and we just kind of move in and set up shop and write and record simultaneously. You know, we'll write a song and when the song is done, we'll get right into recording it. You know, while it's fresh and while we're inspired and while, you know, the, the vision and the, you know, the focus is there, we tackle it. Bear Tracks is one of the studios that you record at, right? Yeah, where is that? Bear Tracks is in uh, Rockland County, New York. Okay. We've, we've done, I think, four or five albums there, and then they've they closed a few years ago. As most, so many right. professional Hit Factory, studios. where you recorded. Yeah, we closed. You, that's Bear, where we we closed Bear it. Tracks. We closed uh, the Hit Factory. Factory. So we're we're kind of like a, a nightmare when somebody sees Dream Theater moving in. They think we're the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah, that studio's but going the, out of business. But quite the contrary, we're actually one of the few bands these days that still does it that way. Right. So. So, uh, you know, we've done our last couple albums at Avatar in here in New York City. Okay, cool. Now, on this tour, you guys are doing, you know, a little bit of a shorter set, and you're not doing some of the tunes that you would normally do on a headlining Dream Theater uh, tour. Tell us how you pick the tunes that are on this. Well, when we do a normal Dream Theater tour, I always write a set list that is completely aimed at our fans, and, the, and uh, I look at... You know, every set list from a particular city. So when we play New York, I'll look at what we played in New York the previous two or three times, and I'll write a set list that's different, completely that. different, that's doesn't cool. repeat anything. However, the purpose of this tour with Maiden is, and I say this with all due respect to our fans, that, you know, we're not aiming this set list at our fans. We're aiming this set list at Maiden fans. Right. And we're trying to make some new fans out of their fan base. So I wrote a set list for this tour that's the same every night. I just basically thought of what would be the ultimate set list to, to grab these people and, and, and you know have them kind of get a crash course in the metal side of Dream Theater right. and I wrote a, a six song set list which basically is all of uh, the, the hits that never were but all the hits that should have been you know A Rite of Passage Constant Motion Pull Me Under the stuff that's a little bit more accessible and a lot more metal cool are you doing Panic Attack? yeah Panic Attack actually strangely enough has become one of the our most popular songs as a result right. of it being in Rock Band 2. Yeah. Uh, you know, back for so many years, we lived in the shadow of Pull Me Under, and that was our only hit. But now Panic Attack, because of Rock Band 2, it's like our number one most downloaded song on iTunes because kids, you know, know say, the song from that. A new generation of yeah, absolutely. Fans too. Yeah, who then go on to discover, hopefully, your other music. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you um, about the uh, Transatlantic Project. Are you doing any more stuff with them this year? Well... The rest of my year is, is yeah. going to be with Avenged Sevenfold, right. but uh, 
I, I just did do uh, two months of touring with Transatlantic in between the Dream Theater tours. And Transatlantic is real old school prog, quote unquote, super group. Guys from different prog bands. And, uh, and uh, I put that project together just to kind of, you know, pay tribute to that side of what I love. You know, I, I love so many different kinds of music, but that's a big, big side of me as well. And we did three albums uh, through, through the years and we just did a... A two-month tour, right? I, see, I always thought Prague was a cool thing, and I, I know that I had you had mentioned in the, you know previous interviews that you know for a while some people weren't thinking it was that cool, and then now all these bands like Mastodon or, or Muse, everybody is doing it now, and it's it's a cool thing. But you guys stuck to it and just did it, and we know. we were we've been Prague all along. Right. We're not jumping on the Prague bandwagon. Right. We right. we we started it. <laughs> we, yeah, we've been waving that f- that flag proudly for you know over 20 years now and right. we we were never ashamed to admit it we were prog from the beginning we formed this band because we were trying to fill that void that you know all of our favorite prog bands like yes rush genesis you know in the mid 80s when we formed they were doing five minute pop songs right so we wanted to you know hear those 15 minute epics with this crazy musicianship and we also wanted to have that metal edge because we were listening to maiden and priest and sabbath so that's where dream theater formed but We've always been proud to be Prague. Yeah. Speaking of Prague, any plans to continue Prague Nation? Well, Progressive Nation was a package that I assembled, and um, you know, it was basically a response to try to get a lot of different progressive bands from different sides of the music and, and metal world. You know, you can have, you know, a band like Opeth is progressive, and a band like Big Elf is progressive, but yet they sound nothing like each other. So we, we've done two runs through the States now, and it is something I hope to continue in the future. Uh, but that being said, I know a lot of our fans miss the big, long Dream Theater show as well. So in a perfect world, we can alternate. Maybe do one, you know, one round of an evening with Dream Theater and then one round with Progressive Nation. And in a perfect world, be able to do both sides. Cool. And now you composed a, a 12-step epic symphony, what do you call it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and it was in honor or in tribute to Bill W. Is that ever going to come out? And can you talk a little bit about who Bill W. Mm-hmm. actually is? It's not Bill Ward, I'm assuming. No. Right? Yeah. Uh, Bill W. is the guy that founded Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, I've been clean and sober for over 10 years now. And it, it changed my life. I mean, I, you know, I had a, a drinking problem and, and uh, an addictive personality. So, you know... God bless the people that can do it in moderation, but I never was able to do it in moderation, and I needed to get clean and sober in order to be sitting here with you today. And uh, once I did, the, the 12 steps were a huge part of my life and are a big part of my life, and I wanted to write about it, and I didn't think I could kind of cover such a big topic in one song. So I had this idea of breaking it up over the course of many albums and you know, writing a song about the first three steps and then the fourth and fifth step and then the sixth and seventh step and you know, having it over the course of several albums and have these songs that would ultimately interconnect when, when the whole big piece was done. And it took five albums and almost 10 years to complete, you know, the five chapters that will ultimately t- come together to create the all 12 steps. And uh, hopefully someday we'll perform them in its entirety on stage. Cool. Now, uh, we know you got to get ready to, for the show, so we'll uh, wrap it up soon. But I wanted to talk, uh, this is my 
favorite, one of my favorite parts of uh, talking metal is I get to talk gear because I'm a fanatic and I should be banned from 48th <laughs> Street. <laughs> but the Melody Master snare drums, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about them and then also some of the, the, the Max Symbol stacks, I, I think, are just a really cool thing. So you can tell me a little bit about all that stuff. Well, those are my signature products with Tama and Sabian, and they're named after my children, Melody right. and Max. Uh, the Tama Signature Snare is a Melody Master, and uh, I had this idea of, rather than a traditional two-way snare strainer, which was just traditionally just on or off, right. I wanted to have a snare strainer that can actually lock into three positions, so it goes either off or loose or tight. Wow. So you can actually have a, a loose snare and then hit it, and it'll be a tight snare like a piccolo, you know, at the flick of a switch. Uh, so it was an idea I had, and, and Tama built it for me, and that's you know that's one of the cool features of the Melody Master. Yeah, they come in different sizes too, like different shell sizes. There's a 12-inch steel shell, which is more like a piccolo, and then there's a 14-inch uh, maple shell. Cool. Now the uh, the cymbal stacks, like tell for some of the talking metal uh, listeners or viewers that that don't know what a cymbal stack is, tell us about that. Well. Um, my Sabian symbols are the Max symbols, which is named after my son. And basically, uh, there's three Max splashes, which are seven, nine, and eleven. And then there's three sets of Max stacks, which are basically two symbols stacked on top of each other, and they give you a super trashy, quick percussive sound. And uh, you know, there were some drummers that were doing it years before I put out these symbols, like Terry Bozio is probably the most famous that had that sound. And uh, at the time when I developed these symbols, um, Sabian didn't have anything like that. It was oh, okay, before cool. Terry was on board. And since then, Terry has come on board with Sabian, and now he offers them as well. But I was basically taking different symbols from Sabian and just stacking them myself. And right. then, you know, I said to Sabian, why don't we just create a, you know, a set like that a really set. Is, works together and, and is in, you know, can, can endure a beating and hold up to it. So we came up with the, the Max Stacks. Very cool. So, Mike, thanks very much for hanging out with Talking Metal. My Three pleasure. Good seeing you guys. And yeah. uh, we, we definitely got to get together and jam again. Anytime. You know where to reach me, man. Absolutely. Cool.
What you just heard was As I Am by Dream Theater. A big thanks to Dream Theater for putting on a great show at Madison Square Garden a couple weeks back. And also for Mike for uh, not only giving us uh, the interview before his show, but for coming um, on our TV show and jamming the uh, Overkill song with Frankie from Anthrax and Blitz from Overkill. Definitely. We really need to, at some point, attempt to line up another Turtlehead reunion. Yeah. Actually, let's, let's listen to Turtlehead right now. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're Turtlehead, and we play rock and roll. No, no. 
just heard was Turtlehead with Mike Portnoy on drums, John Astronomy, Mark Striegel on guitars, and Frank Bello on bass, Bobby Blitz Ellsworth on vocals. So Blitz told me the next time we do a Turtlehead jam, he wants to play UFO. If there is a next time, which uh, I, I don't know. Could be. Who knows? We'll see what happens. We uh, would love to jam with those guys again. Yeah, every time we hook up with them, the, everybody talks about how cool the jam was. And I think the hardest part is just going to be getting everybody into town at the same time. Yes. I know Fra- Frank, I, I believe, lives out in Yonkers. So he's here. Bobby is in Jersey. And uh, Mike, I think, is out. I know he's from Long Island, but I think he may actually be in Pennsylvania or something now. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, so if everybody was in town, which I'm sure is rare to have all those guys in the tri-state area at once, but if if they were, um, it would be fun to do something, especially if we get some kind of uh, television station involved or, you know, to shoot it or something. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, just once again, uh, thanks to Mike Portnoy for hanging out with us. He's always really cool. Um, we communicate on Facebook, and he's always posting really cool things. So all of you Dream Theater fans, if you haven't already uh, become one of his friends or fans on Facebook, do so. Because especially when he's on, on tour, on this last Dream Theater tour, he was always posting cool photos and, and little things. And now he's about to go on the Event Sevenfold tour. So uh be sure to check him out online. Yes, and uh, I would like to mention that hopefully, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but again, Mike will probably be on at least one, possibly two upcoming episodes of MTV2's Headbangers Ball, uh, God willing. you know. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. August 23rd, uh, I believe there's going to be an Iron Maiden special that John and I are helping produce. When I say special, it, it's a, a special edition of the Headbangers Ball. Uh, and again, John and I are helping produce that, and we're going to try to squeeze a clip of Mike in there talking about one of his favorite Iron Maiden videos. And then hopefully, with any luck, we'll have Mike back for a full episode of the Headbangers Ball sometime, maybe this fall. We'll see. So no no promises, but I, I would say it probably uh, it, it looks good, wouldn't you say, John? Yeah, definitely. I think that we'll make this a reality. And we've also got, you know, a few other cool things lined up for the Headbangers Ball. So uh, we're constantly out there doing our interviews, and we have a a bunch of surprises for you guys. Cool. And you can always, if you miss the actual show, they post some, not all of of the clips that John and I do on their website. Uh, So maybe if we think of it, we'll link that, too. We were recently on with Rob Halford and uh, Blitz from Overkill. So definitely. Anyways, let's get into the brand new Avenged Sevenfold. This is Nightmare. It's on iTunes. Support these guys. 99 cents. You get this great song. Maybe it's $1.29. I don't know. I think they raised the prices on some of the songs. But uh, again, Mr. Mike Portnoy on drums on this one, guys. Nightmare by Avenged Sevenfold.
Enlighten me. 